0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to the main course. I'm Barbara Castelli of Modern Restaurant Management. And today, we're gonna to talk about something fun, uh, cookies, something that brings joy to to a lot of people and cookies and franchising, which is a normal topic for us. Um, and with me today is Milk Jar Cookies founder and owner, Courtney Cowan. And we're gonna talk about how she's taking this brand and going the franchising route and why she's doing that, why now, um, and how she's going about doing it. It's all very interesting thing, so welcome. Courtney, thank you for joining us today. Um, So first tell me a little bit about the story uh, behind Milk Jar, who you guys are, what the concept is and how you got so interested in cookies.
1: Yes, um, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I love telling this story, that's for sure. Uh, I am a self-taught baker. My mom taught me the basics of baking when I was a child. And um, if I wasn't in school or doing gymnastics, you would pretty much find me making cookie dough. I just really loved cookies. And um, one fateful night, I was about 11 years old. We were out of baking soda, and I didn't think it mattered because it's such a tiny amount. Um, So I just kept going and um, quickly realized that it did matter. And so my mom explained to me the science and the the leavening agents, and uh, that just absolutely lit my brain on fire. And so the fact that there was science to this, like, delicious hobby of mine was was really exciting for me. And so I then started kind of tinkering with different ingredients, different amounts of different ingredients, and just really kind of learning their effect on on the product. And so uh, I came up with my own chocolate chip cookie recipe that over the years, friends and family really loved. And then when I graduated from college and moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career in television i uh, would bring them into work bring them to set and i started hearing rumblings of oh what bakery are these cookies from they're so good and um, that then started me thinking maybe there was something to this delicious uh you know recipe that i had and so from there i just kind of started experimenting with other flavors and really loved taking classic desserts like a banana split or rocky road ice cream or, you know, a chocolate covered strawberry and making a cookie form of that. And that just provided such a wonderful creative outlet for me. And so then in 2005, I decided to start a cookie company out of the coat closet of my one bedroom apartment. And I got myself a fax machine. It's very high tech, Uh, put it in the closet and started, um, getting orders from mainly friends and family at first, and then word would spread. And I would just get so much joy out of that moment when I would show up on someone's doorstep, even if they'd ordered them for themselves and it wasn't necessarily a surprise. Uh, when you show up on their doorstep with this gift, and you know, I was really, even then, very focused on how things were packaged and the presentation. And so you show up on somebody's doorstep and like the eyes go wide and there's a smile and just like that moment of joy for them brought me so much joy. And so I, I very, um, quickly decided that I wanted to open a storefront someday. So it took me seven years, um, of doing that on the side, uh, while I still worked in television, but I, with every one of those deliveries and every, you know, time that my show would shut down, or we'd have a hiatus, and I would say, you know, it's cookie time, and I would go for it, then it just really reinforced that the love that I had for this, and wanted to to bring it to, to more people. And so finally, in 2012, I decided, okay, the time is right, I'm never going to be able to, um, you know, put this out of my head if I don't really go for it. And so I I actually had to have back surgery. So while I was laid up recovering from that, I decided to write my business plan. And so uh, as I started writing that, I just got more and more excited. And so that kind of started the ball rolling. And in April of 2013, I opened the doors of Milk Jar Cookies um, of our our original location on Wilshire Boulevard. And I I really had very humble dreams at the time. I wanted it to be a neighborhood cookie shop, kind of the cheers of cookies, if you will, where like our, you know, neighborhood locals come in and we know their name and what their favorite is. And, and we got that very quickly, but we also got much more than that. And it became uh, very quickly um, a destination for people of LA and surrounding areas. And it was, it was really gratifying to see that this very high quality product that you know cookies are ubiquitous right so everybody knows cookies but i think there's there's been an overlooked opportunity to make them a gourmet product and so taking these original recipes that i had created and we serve 16 flavors of cookie every day so it's you know everything from your classics chocolate chip and cinnamon sugar to banana split mint chocolate chocolate con caramel there's like a lot of variety a lot you know a little something for everyone and the experience around that was really important to me and so having this beautiful shop where people can come in and kind of have a respite from reality for a second and you know enjoy this product like that was those two the the quality product and the experience were of utmost importance to me and so uh, i think that really resonated with people because a lot of bakeries i think just are designed to get you in and get you out. And I wanted to make right. sure that we we had a place to welcome people. And so we had, you know, we have seating for 18 so people can really sit there and enjoy this, this treat of theirs. Um, we also have lots of people that come in and just take it and walk, you know, down the sidewalk and eat it. But, um, but it really was about that, that, that joyous moment um, of enjoying this product and, and being able to, to be a member of the community that you know, people could, could really count on and we could make their days brighter if they weren't having a a great one, um, or even if they were having a great one, it would be even better when they left us. And so, um, that was really my motivation behind having a storefront is because I wanted to, to really, um, yeah, provide that elevated experience around this very classic treat, um, of cookies and milk and, um you know, and actually when I was doing the, the business plan, I kind of went through all the various ideas, like, okay, do I do farmer's markets? Do I do a food truck? Do I do? And it always came back to the storefront for me because I really wanted to host people. I wanted to like provide that, um, that, that respite, like I mentioned, where it's just, you know, this, this welcoming, um, experience that becomes about more than just the cookie.
0: Now, when you went to school, did you study business so that, you know, the idea of putting together a business plan wasn't so daunting
1: when you actually came about to open the business? Um, No, it was very daunting. (laughs) Um, No, I was an English education major, actually, um, at Indiana University in Bloomington. But I, I, about my junior year, I realized I did not want to teach. And so um, at that time, I wanted to be in in television and film. And so I added a minor in telecommunications, but the business side of it and the baking side, hilariously, um, I did not, I was not trained in either one. Um, I'm very curious uh, by nature. And so research is something I thoroughly enjoy. And uh, so I've done, you know, and at the time I, I was constantly researching and I did a lot of informational interviews with anybody that would talk to me, you know, other bakery owners or um, just to kind of remove a little bit of the veil of mystery, I think, as far as that goes. And then my, my real main kind of guidepost through this entire experience has just been focusing on the mission, you know, and all things lead you know, ladder up to that mission of serving cookies and kindness is what we say. So it's just, you know, having that extreme um, commitment to quality and, you know, not just the product, but customer service, packaging, just really making sure that every touch point of the business is in service of making people feel special and cared for and, um, and really enjoy this yeah. And, and just providing joy. Right. Yeah. So was
0: there any particular reason around the name milk jar?
1: Um, yeah. So when I had that 2005 business, it was originally called sweet cheeks, cookies, uh, after a pet name I have for my sister. And, uh, when it came time that I was really thinking about going um, all out with this. I um, at the time I didn't know about trademarking, and so I, I did a quick Google search back in 2005, and I found a, a diaper company in either Oklahoma, Nebraska, something that was called Sweet Cheeks. I was like, well, that's very different, so that's fine, and. Um, then when it was time to to actually move forward i looked into and i could not get the trademark on sweet wow. cheeks there was now something else um which turned out to be a really a really great thing because i i love um what i've been able to do with with this brand um so after that i really just kind of sat down for probably a good I had a notebook for like two three months and anytime Like I knew very specifically what I wanted the aesthetic of the shops to be obviously cookies. So I would just write down any words or phrases that pertain to baking or cookies or that aesthetic. And I just kind of kept coming back to those three words, milk jar cookies. It just felt like it enveloped and encapsulated everything that I wanted of the brand and and was able to, to use that. And and, and envision that as being, you know, our our brand. So, and I filed for the trademark immediately.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um. So you had mentioned a little bit about the different cookies that are on the menu. What's on the menu now? I mean, you know, I know you talked about 16 different flavors. Um, you know, so uh, what, what's on the menu? How do you add things to the menu? Um, and what is your go-to favorites? Is it still the classic chocolate chip or kind of have your taste buds changed a little bit and you gravitate towards something else now?
1: Okay. Um, Yes. So the menu, um, as a consumer, I always found it frustrating if I would go to a bakery and it was like, oh, sorry, we only have that flavor on Tuesdays, or we only have that on, you know, and I didn't want to have that be the experience for my customers. And so I wanted to make sure we had a very staple menu. And so when we opened, there were, um, we had 13 flavors and including one gluten-free chocolate chip and then and then the 13th flavor was a seasonal and so the seasonal flavor would switch out each month so we would have a a single seasonal flavor um for a whole month so they could like come back but then the rest of the menu was always the same and so that's the way we still continue to do it so we have um it's now um, 16 flavors plus. We now develop some of our seasonals in a gluten free, and we also now have added a vegan um, chocolate chip cookie to the menu. So we've really been trying to be very conscious of, um, you know, growing with the, the different, um, you know, dietary restrictions that people are experiencing right. and, and or choosing, and so. I still continue to to have different seasonal flavor inspiration and, and and develop more of those. But we do have, you know, if we didn't have the lemon blueberry every year, people would lose their minds, you know. So it's like there's right. certain ones that like you got to make sure you bring out every year. Um, and so that is is really kind of the approach to our menu is making sure that you know when they come, sometimes we're sold out, of course, of, of their favorite, but sure. um, but knowing that you know they can they can order what they love. Every time they come, as well as perhaps enjoy this new seasonal. Um, and as far as my favorite, that's it's always a hard it's the say it's a question everybody asks, and it's so hard. Um, I say it's like asking me to choose a favorite child. But I if I had to pick one cookie for like eternity, I think I would go chocolate chip walnut. Um, it used to just be chocolate chip, but there's just something about the way the walnut. Oil gets in that dough, and it's just so good. Um, So, I definitely that would be my favorite. I think. (laughs) So, you've been doing this for a while now, um,
0: and there is some competition now. There are people who are doing more gourmet cookies. Um, So, who who do you assess to be your competition, and how do you think you compare to them?
1: Yeah, Um, it's interesting because there's a lot more competition now than there was when we opened, for sure. And um, I think our our main competition we've had we have local com- competitors that are you know um, one off storefronts and um, in different areas of the city. But um, I think as we begin to to grow, um, you know, it's probably um, you know Crumble is the is the big one right now. Um, Leven from New York, they do a lot of other stuff, but they also, um, you know, and have recently started shipping their cookies, which is something that did set us apart for a long time as we were really the only ones that shipped nationwide. Um, and, um, but I think that the differentiator between us and, you know, say crumble is that we are very, I think our approach to business and cookies is very different. Um, so far as our menu um the experience you know we're very focused on um that human connection um with our customers and um that has that has not been my experience um whenever i've gone into the other but um i think you know they're i think they say they're a technology company that serves cookies mm-hmm. and so it's just a very different approach um and 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 for me it, it's about the that experience and that that human connection uh, as well as you know just a very um Very high quality product that's, you know, made completely from scratch every day, baked in small batches, uh, making sure that, you know, it's always as fresh as possible. And, um, you know, I think our customer service is, is, you know, five star resort worthy. You know, we're very, very focused on, you know, we don't always get it right. But when we when we don't, we go to great lengths to make it make it right. And, you know, I'm really proud of that. And, um, you know, we we just, um, you know, I, there's no ego involved in the, in, you know, whenever it comes to, to hospitality and customer service, because it's, it's very, um, you know, it's a privilege for people to come and spend their hard earned money with our company. And so um, I always want to make sure that they are getting, um, you know, what they, what they expect and what they, what they want. And, um, you know, I tell my staff sometimes I'm like, you know, the beautiful thing about being in business 10 years and, and having such a loyal customer base is that we now have a reputation um, of excellence. And, you know, the flip, the other side of that coin is we have a reputation for excellence right. and we have to uphold that. And and it, 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 it is a privilege because especially, you know, in, in hard times, like people don't have a lot of extra cash and, you know, obviously our costs are rising. So it's not, you know, it's a $4 treat as opposed to buying themselves, you know, maybe a new pair of shoes. It's definitely less expensive, but it's still, you know, it, it, it's their money. And so making sure that that's never anything that we take for granted um, is really, um, yeah, we're just, we're, we're very much about that, that experience and human connection is I think what I would boil it down to. Right.
0: So you're mentioning the human connection. So what was the brand's pandemic experience like where <laughs> you limited human connection, you know, during that time? So, you know, what, what happened? Uh, what did you do? Um, you know, and how did you kind of make that pivot?
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm so glad we already shipped nationwide and didn't have to figure that out. That was already, a, you know, a major part of our, our business plan and our revenue sources. But um Yeah, it was, it's, it's tough and it, you know, it continues to be tough. This, you know, Los Angeles is still, especially the, the neighborhood in which our first shop is in, um, it's still recovering, you know, a lot of our, our neighbors didn't make it. And so it was, it was, it was rough, but we, um, you know, in California, we were closed for two months. So fully, you know, closed our doors, um, had to lay off the whole staff. Uh, we got every single one of those staff members back when we reopened, which was, beautiful and we um, you know I just really worked to rearrange the the shop to be um, really just a fulfillment center essentially so we took out the dining tables and replaced them with folding tables so that all of our staff could spread out and not you know and have that six feet of distance and um, and then set up a, a sidewalk, table uh, we tried to make it as as welcoming and appealing as possible um, you know so we had a tent to, to protect them from the sun or you know the sometimes it rains in Los Angeles um, but uh, but at least from the sun and um, you know and, and try to keep that as ex- that experience as, as much as possible but just you know getting creative was another big part of it we you know Right when the shutdown happened, you know, obviously we had perishables on hand. So, um, you know, we had eggs and butter that were, were going to go bad. So I quickly put together um, a take home baking kits that were all pre-measured uh, so that people could just at least, you know, come, they could buy these baking kits and I typed up instructions and we designed a whole thing around it and our website was built at the time in a way that did not, uh, allow us to make easy changes. So built an entire other website (laughs) for people (laughs) to to order these baking kits from. And, um, so there, there was a lot of pivoting and, and just trying to, to figure out, um, you know, the best path forward. And we started selling taken baked dough. So it was, um, you know, our, our frozen dough balls that were, you know, a pack of eight that people could take home. We did, um, that was when we started our vegan cookie. We we had that, you know was weren't quite as busy as normal, so our kitchen staff had a little more time uh, to experiment. So we we came up with that vegan recipe. Um, cookie cakes was another thing that we launched. So we really just tried to innovate as much as possible with everything that we already had on hand um, mm-hmm. in an effort to you know keep our people working and and you know just stay um, stay out there and 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 serve. The, the people of, of Los Angeles and beyond in a way that they were now needing, you know, it's kind of everything, um, everything shifted, but there was, you know, I think we're starting to come back to, you know, we've all learned how to be isolated, but I think, you know, I'm still very dedicated to that human connection experience, because even though we've learned to be, I think as humans, we don't want to be isolated. And so, you know, there's still that, that draw now that, you know, it's safer and, you know, everything is, is, is better, um, of people coming in and, and having that communal, that communal experience. And so, um, but yeah, I, I'm so grateful for all of the, you know, the PPP and the, the idle loans and there was a lot of, you know, good things that helped us stay afloat, but, um, yeah, we, it kept us on our toes, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: so now that path is leading you to franchising. So what was the thought process behind deciding to go the franchising route? And then um, tell me a little bit about how you're going about it.
1: Yeah, so um, I, in 2019, actually, I had applied for a Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, which is essentially a micro MBA, where you it's a 14 week scholarship program that you apply for. And if you get accepted, then you um, Yeah, it's a it's a weekly um, program that instead of working on a fictitious, you know, widget factory or something, you're working on your business. And so I was um, accepted into that. And (laughs) Coincidentally, we were supposed to start in-person class on March 19th, 2020. (laughs) Um, So that, of course, did not happen, but they were able to revamp and um, make it an an online um, uh, virtual class and program. So we started it in August of 2020, and it was truly a life-changing program, and it really allowed me to finally, you know, work on the business. And it's my like the, the analogy I often use is for the first, you know, seven years of this business, it was, I mean, which is beautiful. It was growing 15 to 25% year over year with no marketing budget. And it was just like constantly about keeping up. And so I, I kind of feel like I was like on the you know side of a train, like in a cartoon, like whipping in the wind and the 2020 really allowed, and then this program in particular allowed me to then not just be, you know, like the conductor, but also start laying the track of that train that I was kind of like (laughs) whipping wind on. And so the, the first, you know, day of the, of the program, you have to, you know, decide, you know, your mission statement, your vision statement, and then, you know, what your growth plan is going to be. And so my, um, advisor in that program had experience with franchising. And um, I had kind of started doing some of those research calls and interviews uh, that I love to do in 2019 about, you know, just what franchising can look like. Because again, that quality is so important to me. And I would, I have never wanted to grow at the expense of that. I've always wanted to grow in a way that maintains the soul of my business, maintains the quality, maintains that experience. And so um, I had, you know, had, had a couple of, of phone calls and um, had kind of started doing the research. And then this advisor, I was able to ask more. And what I realized is that franchising is actually very much in line with my values as a person and our values as a business, which is to lift others up, you know, help create create more joy, be in v- part of communities, and 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 spread that joy um, far and wide. And so it was really at that point in that class that I decided, okay, this is going to be, you know, I want to grow the other sides of the business, of course, as well. You know, keep our shipping growing, our own storefront, but having really creating this roadmap to entrepreneurship for people that have that spirit but don't necessarily have an idea or a product, but they want to, you know, craft a little piece of the world for themselves and um and and do that following the the plan and all of the the hard learned lessons that that we have had. And so that was really what started the ball rolling. And so um so after that class kind of 2021, I took some time to to start thinking about that and what the program could look like, would look like and really seek out an advisor, some sort of um, you know, consultant. And so I, I interviewed several and I called one of the per- people that I had talked to in 2019, um, who was a franchisor and um, to ask his advice on what I had learned from these others. And um, he said, I was actually just thinking about you because I am about to start my own consultation company. And um, and so we talked and that is Matt Hale, who um, I've been working with for the last year to, to really build out this program. And it's been such a wonderful partnership uh, with him. And he's just a, a wealth of information and experience and has really helped. Um, and he believes in the um, the mission of the company and and the way that we want to go about um, bringing that mission into the side of franchising. And so, um, so, yeah, so that was kind of how we got to where we are. And then as far as what the program is going to look like or does look like, um, having a very turnkey solution that is a very clear roadmap was the most important thing to me because I wanted... To really make sure, I mean, a franchisee's success is our success, of course. But okay. um, you know, again, similar to it's a privilege for people to come and spend four dollars on you know a cookie with us. It's a very big privilege if people believe in our brand enough and want to you know invest their time, energy, and sometimes their life savings, you know, and right. in, in starting this for themselves. And so. Um, you know our training is go, is very extensive you know some of these companies i was reading through different fdds and i'm like 5 days oh my goodness like how <laughs> on earth is that is that possible to to learn how to run a company um and so you know we we don't even train our our shift leads that fast and so um you know really building out a very extensive um training program that starts with, you know, virtual training, because there's a lot of stuff about running a milk jar cookies that you don't need to be on site to do. And so, you know, there will be that, that virtual aspect, then hands-on, and then us being, you know, present at their, you know, kind of straddling pre-opening and, and grand opening. And, um, and then also having a, a corporate team that is here to support them. You know, there's, there's no, There's no bad questions. There's no, you know, like, and we want to be there for every single one of those and make sure that they're never left feeling, you know, unsure, like, you know, knowledge is power. Like all of those things are are true. And and we believe those, those greatly. And so, um, so having, you know, a, a corporate team there and then, um, you know, really nourishing and, and, um, working on building a community between all of our franchisees and making sure that they have each other to to lean on and and ask questions of because that was something I always you know really um, was looking for as as a business owner is to to have a community of people that you know my friends and family were always willing to listen and you know right. they don't always you know know how to respond or can't relate or so having that that community is is also something that we are really gonna be um, dedicated to for for our franchisees and and then um you know, just always looking for ways to make their running of the business um, easier, more efficient, seamless. Um, so we have a lot of. Required vendors that we have on board that will help streamline the process of the buildouts and, um, you know, finding their locations and just really making sure that we are, you know, of course, it's their business to run. But we are there every step of the way um, guiding them because we're really looking for a very, um, you know, small, it it doesn't have, we're we're not looking to, to explode, you know, like my goal has never been to have 700 stores. It's like, I want to have a very curated group of people that, that are very dedicated to, to our mission and to, to that high quality. And and some of those are going to come in the form of people that have just been milk jar fans from the beginning and want to, you know, get on board with that. And so they're first time business owners and, you know, maybe not, you know, comfortable baking and we're going to work with them on each and every one of those things. And so, you know, some, some of my best bakers and dough makers have all been people that just like, I don't know, you know, just want to get in there and work hard and are curious and want to learn, you know, like that is so much more powerful than having, you know, a culinary degree from some fancy school. Like it's not, it doesn't always translate, I should say. Right. So what other kind of
0: characteristics are you looking for in these franchisee partners?
1: Yeah. I think having people that are, this sounds kind of trite, but are inherently kind, inherently good want to really contribute to their community. You know, we, as a, as a company, we're very dedicated to the the philanthropic side. You know, we um, it's my belief that it's, it's our job to support the community that supports us. And so I want people that, um, that believe that too, and, and want to, you know, become a staple in their community that is, you know, supportive of, you know, the, the causes that are important to us. And, you know, we're very big on supporting all of our local schools and, you know, children's um, you know, ki- kids causes and, you know, just anything that, that helps build the, build the community up and, And then people that that really want to, to work hard, you know, I think there's such a, um, again, it sounds very, very elementary, but just having that really hard, it's like the soft skills that you can't teach, right? It's the, the work ethic and the, the, the go get it, you know, spirit and the, the curiosity and the not being um, too proud to to ask those questions, not, you know, um, and really people that, want to and will trust the process and trust, you know, the, the operational standards that we have, um, that we've, you know, very, very diligently put together and um, all of these things that are in the interest of their uh, success and and making sure that, you know, we're, I'm always open to ideas that's, I'm very collaborative. And so, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of value in, in bringing, new brains into the family, but, you know, knowing that and having the understanding that like, until it's, you know, a a done deal, like this is the path that you follow. But, um, but also, you know, again, bringing, bringing ideas to the table is is something that is, is really exciting to me. Like, I don't love to be the smartest person in the room. (laughs) I want to, I want to always surround myself with with people that, um, that have experience and and knowledge. And so, um, you know, I think there's, there's gonna be a lot of exciting things that can come from our franchisees also.
0: Right, so you had mentioned um, the build out. Um, so what are the size requirements that you're looking for and what do you look for in an actual location?
1: Yeah, so um, about a thousand square feet is what we're looking for. Cause we, again, we wanna make sure that there is that space to welcome people in and have, have some dining area, but then also you know storage and a baking area as well as service area. And so uh, we're really looking for, um, you know, in line where we're trying to avoid strip malls. If you want to be, you know, kind of in line uh, street facing, a lot of foot traffic, a lot of visibility. And um, and then as far as um, the. Uh, what was the other part of your question? I'm so sorry. Um, well, the locations, I mean,
0: you mentioned it, yeah. you know, a little bit about looking, things that have foot traffic. Um, you know, are there, uh, regions, parts of the country that you think mm-hmm. are a good fit or that you have a focus
1: on? Um, really open to, to anywhere, you know, again, it's, if those people come to us and they, you know, they fit the bill, then I think, you know, our, brand and our product is going to resonate um in in those communities and so uh right now we have um you know we, we're uh talking to people everywhere from florida to seattle to missouri um connecticut there's and a lot of california of course um but yeah kind of any anywhere that that they are a good fit and are you know are going to to because we do we ship everywhere so that's a, there's a little bit of a you know not a little bit. There is a, a proof of, of concept. Um right. even, you know, and, and a little bit of a um inherent uh fan base, I guess you could say, in in a lot of um the metropolitan and, and even smaller areas around the country. Yeah. Uh, right. Um yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the ways about building a fan base that you didn't have when you had the fax machine and you were, you know, growing the business that way has been, you know, via social media and, you know, and something like a cookie is really great for Instagram and and all that. So how is, how are you using social media to kind of grow and, and find franchisee partners and things?
1: Yeah. Social media has been such a gift for us. Like I, I honestly, you know, it was just, I mean, it was, I think, probably, you know, several years old by the time we um, opened in 2013. And it just it for whatever reason, I don't, you know, I think the aesthetic of the shop, the deliciousness and gooiness of the cookies like there's um, people just really took it upon themselves to to not to share, you know, so they were posting about us and we were posting and it really, you know, it's been such an organic way. Um, for us to grow. And again, you know, we had never put a single dollar into marketing, um, advertising, like it was all word of mouth. And most of that was, um, was social media and, and Instagram. And so i um, very grateful for that. And, uh, and it's, it's really been interesting, you know, now up until, gosh, last fall i was still the one doing all of our our social um you know and and i finally you know we we brought on a a marketing manager and uh, now a social media manager that are just so talented and you know can do so much more i'm like i can post a pretty picture with a witty caption but like i don't i don't know all the other ins and outs of it especially now with TikTok and all these things um and so our social media manager actually used to be one of our shift leads at the Wilshire store, and uh, in 2021, was like we need to be on TikTok, and I was like, I'll set up an account and you go for it because I don't, I don't know, you know, how to use it. And so um, she's done an incredible job, and now is obviously overseeing all of our social media, and um, they're just they're so talented. It, it's a, it's a whole other, um, you know, talent set and, and skill set. So, um, but no, I'm. I'm honestly, like social and, and Yelp, um, you, you know, you live and die by Yelp, I think, you know, um, and sometimes people, you know, but again, for the, the people have been so very generous and, and gracious. Um, and again, it gives us an opportunity, you know, if they don't contact us directly, if there's, if there's, you know, not the best experience, it gives us an opportunity to, to make that right. Um, but again, the overwhelming majority of things is just, um, you know, people taking their, their time to, to go on and share this, their great experience. And, um, it's been very, very helpful.
0: Right. And you, know, you, you're or focus on the experience and the human connection. Um, but how do you use technology, um, to kind of help promote the brand or help be more efficient?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, between our, our POS system and our, you know, online ordering system, uh, we've, uh, and the way that we, um, process each and every one of those orders has definitely, uh, improved, uh, with technology over time. And, um, so we utilize that. And then as far as our, um, you know, the franchise side of things, we are definitely, you know, are well, Let me go back to our website is very comprehensive. And so making sure that, you know, it's very easy for people to order. We're always updating that and making sure that it stays as um, as relevant and, you know, um, as uh, progressive as possible um, and staying up with all of those technologies. And then, you know, we could do a lot of corporate ordering. And so making sure that that is very easy for our corporate customers. So that is something that has been able to be streamlined with technology. Um, through the website and um, and then on our back end, also processing all of those orders is is much more um, technologically driven uh, than it was when we when we first opened. Uh, and then as far as the uh, franchise side of things, like we've been utilizing uh, just even in so far as keeping track of um, you know our sales funnel and our leads, we have a, a program um, that's called QuickBase that everything um, is very streamlined through. Uh, we've been, you know, utilizing, um, you know, there's, uh, moving forward. The QuickBase program is also, uh, accessible to the franchisees themselves. So they can keep track of, um, of the process and some of those required vendors that I was talking about, um, you know, that is how they will interact and upload, you know, floor plans or, you know, architectural plans thing, everything will be very centralized on that site. And in that portal, and so that will help keep moving things along and um, and help with transparency and making sure that everybody has all of the information. Um, You know, internally, corporately, we use you know uh, Slack, all kinds of you know the Google Suite, um, just a lot of things to to make sure that all of our um, you know spreadsheets and and processes and stuff are are documented. and accessible and, and very uh, easily updated, calculated. Our inventories are all, you know, done through, through that, um, that process. So they, you know, automatically um, calculate and making sure that everything is as, um, as efficient as possible.
0: Yeah. So in, in addition to the pandemic, restaurants are always dealing with staffing challenges supply chain challenges so how have you handled that um you know and how have you worked to bring on staff who are going to create that experience of joy for for the guests
1: yeah so first and foremost we take care of them very you know we we really um not just with culture but we've always tried to um you know even when we opened you know minimum wage was ten dollars and 10.50 is what my starting wage was, like anything above, you know, that we could do. And so, um, obviously, 10 years later, in Los Angeles, things, you know, in 2022, our minimum wage went up twice, you know, so really, like having to keep up with that. And, you know, we, the the culture has really helped, um, you know, with with retention and, and having people stay. But at the end of the day, they also have to pay their bills. And so in this, increasingly expensive city. Um, we've really had to to be competitive because we were losing um, some people to, to larger companies that could offer benefits and, you know, higher wages, and they had to do what they had to do. Uh, so in the last year, we have started a uh, year and a half. Uh, we now offer benefits, a 401k, you know, very competitive wages. And, um, you know, and again, the, the mm-hmm. culture uh, and, and just other little ways of, you know, they get a, a free shift cookie, a free shift drink, like you know, big employee mm-hmm. discount, things like that. But just really making sure that they feel supported. Like we take a very human approach to, um, you know, to feedback. To you know, we really want to work on people. We don't want, you know, it's like not <laughs> one strike and you're you're done. You know, like with if somebody's you know, acting differently than normal, like there's probably something going on, you know? So like having, taking the opportunity and making sure that they understand that, um, that we see them as a person that has things outside of work. And, you know, obviously we all got to show up and do our job, but, you know, if there's ways that we can be supportive and, you know, and, and make them feel, um, seen and heard, uh, I think that really goes a long way, making sure that that people, they understand they're not just a cog in a wheel. They actually are, you know, somebody that, that their supervisors and, and owner care about and, you know, want to make sure that, you know, and we all have ways to improve. I'm learning every day and, you know, it can, can keep improving myself. And, um, and so allowing, those mistakes to be moments of growth and and you know uh, improvement is is just part of the human experience. And so bringing that into uh, the workplace and how we approach um, you know, again, feedback and you know good and bad feedback. Um, you know, allowing people to to have that um, is just really kind of woven through the fabric of of our staffing and and hiring. So where do you hope to be
0: in? five, ten years. I mean, I know you're not looking to open a thousand stores. Yes. Um, but you know, where where would you like to have the footprint?
1: Yeah, I would love to in five to ten years, you know, have um, you know, a a, a good a good representation of milk jar cookies nationwide and have those um, you know, really um successful, profitable storefronts that, you know, with a, a group of franchisees that really feel um feel great about what they're doing and they 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 feel um you know confident and and they're moving forward and and that they're part of a company that they're they're proud to be associated with and um that they just want to keep growing uh themselves and so as far as you know footprint i think most of the like major you know small medium large markets like let's have you know at least one present we don't need to be saturated in, in markets and that's actually something that's really important to me as far as um you know the the, the franchisees is is not if they're in a market they get first right of you know we're not going to allow cannibalization of of our franchisees and um and making sure that we're taking care of them and if you know there is interest in an area then like they get to you know hey do you want to open a second one do you want to open a third one um you know it's, it's up to them but was really having um, a, a company that is is humming along and um, and has not lost its um, its soul or it, and it still has its eyes set very squarely on the mission um, and and hasn't grown to an extent that that's not tenable you know mm-hmm. and that it's it's really we're walking the walk not just talking the talk right <laughs>
0: So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's listening to your story and they're inspired and they're like, you know, I have an idea and, you know, I want to take it to this, to the next step. Um, What kind of advice
1: would you give to them? I would say uh, do your research. (laughs) That's a big one for me. Um, Yeah. Just, you know, research, um, test your product, you know, whether it's a, a food product or, you know, something like give it to your friends, give it to, you know, take it around, like to strangers who, you know, for a fact, won't, you know, they're not there to placate you and, and give you, oh, it's wonderful. You know, if like something like I remember a very formative moment was a very dear family friend who's known me since I was born, uh, back in the sweet cheeks cookie days with the, the, the closet, uh, company, I, they ordered a box of cookies and it was one of the first times I had shipped. And, um, and she wrote me an email and, and was not, she didn't like it, it didn't go get there the way that I wanted them to. And she asked for a refund. Um, and at first I was like, Oh, you know how that I can't believe, it. but it was so good. And it meant so much because I was able to learn from that. And so you know, it, 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 all of that feedback is, is, is good. Of course, it's lovely to hear that your product is wonderful, but it's just as valuable to hear that like it needs a little tweaking or it needs improvement. So I would say, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, test your product, do what you can. And, um, and just really make sure that you know why you're doing what you're doing. Um, because, you know, I remember a, a time before I opened, um, in 2013, I asked my friend, I was like, what if I hate this? You know, like, what if when it opens, I hate this? It's like, well, then maybe you do. But it was good to kind of evaluate what that would look like, you know? But it was like, just making sure that you really know why. And I was like, there's no way I'm gonna hate this. You know, it's like, (laughs) this is exactly what I've been wanting. But like, that was, it was really good for me to think through that. And it's like, there's no way. Like, I, I just wanna, you know, engage with people and, and interact and give them this experience and this delicious product. And, um, but I think just really making sure that, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and, um, and test that product. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, looking for storefronts or, you know, whatever, like I used to go and sit. Um, outside of the the location on Wilshire uh, before I signed the lease. And I would would literally count the number of people that were walking by. And I would, um, I went and sat outside of competitors and did the same thing. And, you know, just all of that boots on the ground research that you can do is, um, you know, it's all going to be valuable. It's all information that you can then, you know, use or discard, but you at least have information. So then, if you're looking for, and this is something I realized I didn't say um, insofar as the, when you asked the question about this locations, is if you're looking to be in, you know, open a food business, and this is something we're going to encourage our franchisees to do is find a location that is previously a food business because you're going to save a lot of time and money because it will already have the plumbing. It'll have the electrical, you know, there'll be a layout. Like the day that I took over the Wilshire store, I could have opened a Quiznos sub shop. Like it was, they left everything and it was, you know, it took us a while to like dismantle all of that, but it was, you know, I didn't, none of the like big you know, work, we got to open the ground and open the, you know, the ceiling, like all of that was done. And I just had to, you know, make it fit my concept. And so that's a huge, um, a huge piece of advice I would give.
0: Perfect. Great. Thank you so much.